Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. As uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 says, train up reliable men who will teach others. That's exactly what has taken place. Love it. Thank you. For the glory of God. All right. Little musical chairs here. All right, we're going to continue in our series, and we get to team teach together today, which is very cool. But first, we need our people to know you a little more. Some of us know you, uh, uh, Herber Villalobos. Please tell us about you. Tell us about your family. Tell us about our Hispanic ministry. What do we need to know? Okay, thank you, Pastor uh, Pat. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. <laughs> I want to thank the opportunity to be here uh, with these two men of God. Uh, my name is Herbert Villalobos. Uh, I've been married for 10 years with my beautiful wife. Her name is Yadira. I have three kids, uh, Abigail, Bella, Ethan. We've been here in North Shore since uh, 2011. I started to be discipled by Pastor Dave Grant. It was a man that... He did a great impact in my life. After that, seven years ago, I started working with Pastor uh, Grace Schaffnitz. Uh, these men have invested in my life so much. He has loved me well, and he has helped me to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, we serve in the Hispanic ministry. Um, if you want to know more about us, uh, come and visit us to the third service, 430 every Sunday. Uh, I'm excited, a little bit nervous because it's my first time preaching in a team and also my first time preaching in English. So Doing if at great. some point of the message you <laughs> if at some point of the message you say what in the world he he meant, uh, I want you to know that I'm gonna be wondering the same thing up here. So <laughs> make it two of us and uh, yeah. Please bear with me, and thank you. Oh, no, absolutely. Our pleasure. Yeah. We feel the same way in our preaching, too. I don't know what I just said, but we'll trust the Lord. Well, we are continuing in our sermon series called New, and we're really wrapping up this mini-series. Uh, we kicked off the year with this focus of new. We had Tyler preach about new realities coming off of 1 Peter 2, chapter 9 and 10. Uh, speaking of Bibles, we're going to get into the Bible today. There's three significant passages we're going to be focusing on. So if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. If you're online, uh, there's a tab there uh, to access your Bible to digitally if you need to join us there. But Tyler talked about these new realities that we find in this passage that God invites the people of God into that, that changes things. It changes our lives. It changes our future. It changes our relationships. And then last week, we had a team teaching uh, with myself and Ben Baker, and we talked about new mercies, how God's character transforms our lives, and it's applicable every single day. Today, we're going to continue the conversation and wrap up this series talking about new communities, new communities, as God would have it. 
as God would have it. Now, we're doing this uh, uh, synced up with Martin Luther King Jr. weekend because this is important to us. This is important to us as a church as we continue to step in and learn and grow in honoring uh, diversity as God has established. We want to follow him in his lead. We want to care about the things that he cares about. We want to see people the way he sees them all across the board. And so there's this element of there's this already but not yet piece of scripture. We are already as believers in the kingdom and it has not yet come to full fruition yet. We are already saved and it has not yet come to full fruition yet. And so we see that when it comes to diversity as well. There's some things that we want to celebrate today. There's some things that God has done. There is good. He has done some amazing things. We're stepping into areas, new areas within our church, and there's some things to celebrate. And there's some things that are not done yet. God's work has not come to full fruition yet, and so we want to continue to strive. We want to continue to keep our eye on the ball where God would have us and strive because the ultimate goal is Christ-likeness. Hands down, for you, for me, for the church, it's all about Christ-likeness. And so we are committed. We, that is a hill we will die on as a church, as a people. And so that is our true focus. And so we want to celebrate the differences within our diversity, and not just overlook it or dismiss it or ignore it. Because there's a lot of diversity among us. There's male, there's female, those are some significant differences, right? I got one, woohoo. I would say there's some significant differences among generations. There are some significant differences among political views. There are some significant differences, right? When it comes to solutions about how to handle these political issues, when it comes to race, there are some significant differences, right? Ethnicity, nationality, personalities, right, experiences, rich, poor, in the middle. Can I get an amen? amen? There's a lot of differences. And God made it so. It's good. And so we're wanting to embrace those, learn from them, celebrate what is good, and continue to strive for how God would want to continue us in pursuing Christ-likeness. That's the goal. That's the target. And so uh, one cool thing that I bet many of you don't know, and I just want to celebrate and camp on something that's already beautiful, okay? When it comes to nationalities and ethnicity, there's something within one of our ministries that's significant, and I want to bring it to your attention. Within our academy, there are 18 different nationalities and ethnicities represented within our kids and our families. 18. I'm going to read the names just so it's tangible. African-American, Asian-Indian, American, Cambodian, Chinese, Ethiopian, Filipino, Indonesian, Korean, Native Hawaiian, Hispanic, Latino, Puerto Rican, Russian, Taiwanese, Thai, 
Ukrainian, Vietnamese. Isn't that beautiful? And I'm really excited about as we get to uh, Pastor Herber's part in just that picture of heaven. This makes me think of that. So, but that's not my part. So I'll stay in my lane. So as we talk about new communities, this new community that God invites us into, it comes from a new vision. New communities come from a new vision. It is from God. It is God's plan. It is God's heart. If you are familiar with your Bible, the first two chapters of Genesis are the picture-perfect relationship with God and man and man and man. And then, fast forward to the end, the last two chapters of Revelation are the picture-perfect representation and goal of God and man and man and man. The bookends of the Bible reflect this restored, perfect, beautiful relationship with us and God and one another. In the middle of that is this entire restorative work of God. And we're in that right now. And his plan is through the church, he would bring about his work, his good, his glory, his goal, his purpose. How many of you have signed up for that? that that's why we're here. We're not here as passive spectators watching from afar and opting out like we have a choice. We, we are here saying, God, I am with you for your mission. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, and all these things he will bring about. So it's his vision. Now for North Shore Christian Church, he's called us to a specific slice of that, an expression of what he's called in this restorative work and this ultimate goal. And for us, we have a vision to see our communities changed through hope in Jesus one person at a time. And how we're going to go about reaching that target is by passionately pursuing Jesus. Has to start there, no other exceptions to it. And we can never lose our sight of that, passionately pursuing Jesus. And there's communities that are transformed by that. And then from there, it overflows into radically loving one another. That embraces diversity, doesn't it? That celebrates diversity, doesn't it? That strives for what's not yet, doesn't it? As well as compassionately serving our neighbors. That embraces community, right? Everything I just said, compassionately serving our neighbors and then relationally discipling all people. That was on purpose. All those phrases were on purpose. But as far as what we're talking about today, that was specifically on purpose. All people all people, that we would keep our eye on this goal because it's the heart of God. Reflected in uh, heaven. This came from the Great Commission. Many of you are familiar with it. Jesus' words, the resurrected Lord and Savior conquering Satan's sin and death. This is what he said, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go, therefore, and make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. New communities comes from a new vision, a vision of God, God's heart, and God's goal. 
But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. And Damien's going to spell out what else does that mean for us. Thank you, brother. I was going to just let you just keep going, man. I just pass you my notes. Yay. Church, new communities, they, they also come with new identifiers. And what's going to be important about this is that we're not going to be describing new communities from what we think, from what our perspective is, but what does God have to say about it? We're going to be hanging out in that, that core verse that we've been in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you did want to turn there or if you want to take a look at your notes, you're going to see it. But in verses 9 and 10, the apostle Peter makes very emphatic statements that set in motion the beginning of understanding what it means to be something different than what you were. Because we believe in the stone that the builders rejected, who has now become the cornerstone, and his name is Jesus. We are now new people because we believe that. In specific, we are now God's people. And in verse 7, we're told that this new thing is actually an honor for us. It says it's an honor for we who believe that we will not be put to shame. And that's actually a quote from the, from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 28. But I'm coming to learn, as I've been looking at this and as I've just been living life, that our newness is centered in two things for us here on earth serving and waiting for Jesus' return. And those two things are what we know and what we see. What we know and then what it is that we see. Now, I want to take a few minutes to talk about these two things, um, and I'm going to start with uh, what it is that we know. In verse 9, Peter says this. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We belong to God. We are his possession. But church, would, you, would it be okay if I just asked this question? What would happen? What happens when we don't behave in a way that's reflective of belonging to God? I'm going to come back to that question. I promise you. So I'm going to leave that to kind of hang there for a little bit. But let's keep going. So what this verse does is that it gives us some very, very specific identifiers. He calls us a race. He calls us a priesthood. And he calls us a nation. Now, we don't have the time today to dig into what it means to be a race and what does it mean to be a nation. Um, those, those, that's almost a sermon series right there just in itself. But I will tell you that those are important conversations. I'm going to trust the Lord that he'll help us at some point to get back to that. But then when it comes to this thing of being a priesthood, do we even know what that means? For our, for our Catholic brothers and sisters, those who came from you know, that faith tradition, you at least have some point of reference. You, you might actually know somebody who went into the priesthood. But, but for the rest of us, uh, not so much. But can we take a moment and just talk about those descriptors? Those descriptors being, he calls us chosen, he calls us royal, and he calls us holy. Now, what does it mean when he says that he calls us chosen? 
Well, chosen actually refers to being the result of a choice. You might hear that and go, yeah, okay. But you know, I remember back in college on Saturdays, which were a holy day of sleeping, <laughs> that around eight o'clock, there would be this bang on my door, boom, boom. And I would hear two words, open gym. Now, I didn't need a whole lot of explaining right then. I knew what that meant. That meant I was going to roll myself out of my coma that I was in. I was going to put on some gym shorts, put on some shoes, put on a shirt, whatever was near. It did not have to be clean. That was not important. I grab my basketball and I get down to the gym. I get in there and we're all kind of staggering around. We're trying to shoot around. We're trying to loosen up and get ourselves ready. And then at, two, at some point, two guys, well, we call us all together and get it. All right, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to pick fives. We're going to start here on this court here. The rest of you guys that are left, you can go ahead and play over there. Do whatever you want. Figure out who's going to take winners when we finish our game. Okay? Now, something very interesting happened at this point. And for any of you who've played basketball, you know how this goes. Generally, the first two to four guys that get picked, it's understood that those are the two to four best players that are available. Okay? Now, I'm just telling you just the reality. If you get picked fourth or fifth or you don't get picked, that says something. But I can remember when it was that I used to be one of those guys that was picked first or second or third. And I know we're just talking about basketball and you're just going, wow, Damien, really? That's kind of petty. Yes, it is. But I can tell you that it felt good to be chosen. And I want you to think about this today. God looks at you and he wants you to know that you are chosen. Amen. To be royal actually refers to being either a king or a queen or being a member of their family. Now, when I hear the word royal, that kind of takes me, I don't know for you, takes me to thinking about the royals, um, the current monarchy in Great Britain. And I gotta tell you, I, I look at them and I couldn't have more pity for a group of people because their lives just seem to be miserable. Now, I know they got money and they got property and all this stuff, but when was the last time the royals did anything right? I mean, they, they, can't get, they can't please anybody. And I just think, man, that's just miserable to be in that place. But I was thinking to myself, they identify themselves through their lineage, um, their family. That means something. You know, when I was in college, I had this professor. Uh, he, was, he was in our business department. And I'm going to share his name today. His name was Don Kuntz. And I'm sharing that name today because if there's any of you from the Muckleteo community, you might know Don and Kay Kuntz, um, longtime members of the Muckleteo community. He went to be with the Lord last year. And I got to read his eulogy. And one of his kids said this. They said, you know, for any of us, if we ever were about to enter into a situation that was difficult or we were struggling in school or we were struggling with our jobs or we were struggling in our families, he would always say this before we'd leave. He'd give us a hug. And he say, remember, you're a Kuntz. Don't forget who you are. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful legacy that he was able to pass on to his kids. I try to occasionally do that with my boys. If you're different, if you, if you don't sound like everybody else and you stand up for different things because you believe that this is the right thing to do, I want you to understand that you are different because you're a Thompson. And I want to pass on to them that good name that was given to me. I know it's not royal, but it is important to me. But consider that the Lord of heaven and earth looks on us and he sees 
royal. And then finally, to be holy. Well, to holy is, be, is, is pretty simple. It means to be set apart. But church, not set apart like a, like a wine collection that only certain people get to see or jewelry collection that's behind six inches of glass and behind a, you know, a, you know, a partition and you can look from a distance and see it. No, we're set apart for a purpose. We're set apart for his purposes. I believe Peter used these specific words to give us a much clearer understanding of what it means to know to whom we belong and what that means. You are not just a race. You are a chosen race. You are not just a priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. And you are not just a nation. You are a holy nation. Mm. Amen. So church, can I encourage us today, can we not just know this, but can we receive this? And can we believe this? Because we belong to God. So that's about what we know. Now what is it about what it is that we see? So I'm going to ask you guys to kind of, we're going to do a little neck exercises here this morning. I'm going to invite you to just kind of take the next 30 seconds and I want you to just slowly just kind of look around the room at the people that are in here. So just go ahead and you can just start looking around. I know a lot of you don't even know who's even behind you. But as you look around this room, I've got some questions for you today. Who do you see? What do you see? Do you see chosen? Keep looking. Keep looking. Do you see royal? Do you see holy? See, when we begin to see each other in this way, do you know what begins to happen? We begin to see new communities. New as in this is what God sees when he sees us and what he had always intended for you and I to see when we look at each other. In verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Precious. That's just not a word we use very often. What do you think of when you hear that word precious? And I'm not talking about Lord of the Rings. No, no, <laughs> no. Now that's what I'm thinking about. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. When I think of precious, I, it, I'll be honest with you, it just takes me straight to, I think of a baby. I think of my boys, the first time I got to hold all three of them. I got to think of what the, the first sounds they made. I, I think of the first time I got to watch them sleeping at night, even though I was half dead tired. But to, for me, they were perfect. They were beautiful. Mm -hmm. They were precious. And that's how he sees us. But now let's go back to that question that I asked earlier. I told you, I promised you, we were going to come back to this. So what happens when we don't, we don't behave in a way that's reflective of who it is that we belong to, that we, that we belong to God? What happens when we don't behave in a way that's reflective of that? This is what happens. We are saying that we belong to somebody else. But who? Well, 
I think that this is the answer more often than not. We say that I belong to me. Because isn't that exactly what the world is telling us over and over and over again? Are you, is it like, is it like, I don't think I'm the only one. Have you heard some of these phrases? There's no one more important in my life than me. Or how about, uh, I'm the reason I will succeed or fail. And this is one that I wrestle with, boy. I need to distance myself from anyone who is not fully committed to helping me become the best version of myself. And here's my question. Where's Jesus? And where at any point did you hear Jesus teach that? If anything, he taught us to give and to surrender ourselves over and over and over. The world says, take, keep, give, build, make. Jesus says, give it up. Let it go. Because you need more of me and less of you. So these identifiers, when they become missing of being chosen, of being royal, of being holy, it matters. Because those are not words that are reflective of what the world wants us to understand. These are reflective of how God sees us. And, and, it, and it actually places on us his claim to be his through his son, Jesus Christ. And so before I turn this over to Pastor Herbert, and I'm excited for what it is that he has to share with us this morning. Church, if we're going to be, if we're going to be and become part of these new communities that God has given us, then we must have new ways of seeing ourselves and seeing others. New communities come with new identifiers. Pastor Herbert, let me turn this over to you. Come on, bro. Well, I saw Pastor Pat and Damian standing up, so I guess I'm, I have to stand up too. Um, we just learned that new communities come from a new vision. The new communities come with new identifiers. One thing that I want you to understand or learn today is that new communities create a new harmony. I love what he said that if we see other people in ourselves as chosen, royal, um, holy, because when we see other people in ourselves in that way, we pretty much are bringing the reality from heaven to our reality. I know it's hardly to create the harmony here in, um, on earth because uh, even though we are being justified, we're in the process of sanctification, we're not uh, glorified yet. And that's a little bit of problem in the human race. So, um, that's why uh, as Colossians 3.2 tell us that we set our minds in the things above, not the things here on earth. So let's see what's above. Please go with me to Revelation 5, verse 9 to 10. Revelation 5, 9 to 10 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and, and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Heaven described um, a concert of praise. Uh, the imagery comes from uh, musicians playing together in harmony. Actually, the word symphony means agreement, concord, sounding together. When the musicians sing and they, and they start playing, something uh, special happens. I want you to imagine for a moment uh, the worship team coming up here just with, what, with one kind of instrument, drums, guitars, or keyboards. Probably they can play something good, but when you combine different instruments, it sounds better, it sounds special. So probably many of us are not musicians, but when somebody hit the wrong uh, key, you notice it right away, right? Even if you have, haven't studied music. So the, thing, the same thing happened when we don't create the harmony within the church. People notice it, people feel it. So when God saved us, he had in mind for all his people, no matter language, race, uh, ethnicity, to live in harmony. So in the scripture, the apostle John records a heavenly hymn of praise. Imagine a multitude out of numbers singing songs to Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, pretty much our principal occupation in heaven is going to be worshiping Jesus in harmony. Let me ask you this. What are we doing to prepare for now, for that now? Are we practicing uh, the harmony with other peoples from other backgrounds, from other races? Um, when the instruments sounds together, they reflect uh, harmony. So let me tell you something. In heaven, there, there's not going to be divisiveness. We're going to be just one people. Praising God. Thank you. And some people think, uh, sadly, that their, only their denominations are going to be in heaven. But guess what? In heaven, all of us will be believers. There's not going to be Baptist section, Methodist section, Catholic section, North Shore section. <laughs> just one people praising our Lord. So in order, in order to enjoy uh, the harmony in heaven, we might practice some today, right? See people as another instrument that is going to purify the orchestra in heaven. In heaven, we celebrate the original harmony of the creation in perfect unity. Like Pat mentioned in uh, Genesis 1 and 2, we we saw that, and that's what we're going to see in heaven. Um, some of, the, of our, some of that our country reflects it. We are a country of uh, immigrants working together, making things happen together. But because of sin, sometimes it's hard or we struggle to celebrate those differences. We don't always celebrate the difference that we have within our community. So in heaven, we will be one, one people. So just in, as in a concert, we appreciate the different sounds from different instruments. Let's appreciate that within our church, our community, 
the different people. Let's celebrate that. So, knowing that in heaven, all, we all together will play the most beautiful melody we have ever he heard, everything in perfect harmony, let's start practicing together. And now, as a community, let's try to create the harmony that transcends all the way to heaven. Thank you. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, I love it. This is so fun. Seriously, this is so good. Um, well, okay, as we, as we wrap up here, let's just take a moment uh, to, to share from the heart. What is it that you would want? What is it that we would want us to walk away with? What is it that we believe God's put on our heart uh, to, to step into? Um, for me, I'm going to start. Um, I, I think it's simply the, the sold out, die hard focus of Jesus likeness as the goal. You know, God took on Jewish skin, right? And, and he showed us what it was to be like to be fully human. He was the perfect human. He was the perfect human, and he showed us how. And we cannot do it in and of ourselves. We can only do it by the power of the Spirit, and we have to choose to do that together and participating with the Spirit in the work of God. It's, it's about Jesus' likeness. And so die on that hill. And it has to be us together, right? So that, that's what I'd have to say. What about you, Damien? through the Jewish skin thing, thing there. That, well, that's a visual right there of, okay. So I would have to say if, if there was something that I would hope we could take away from today, as I think about Dr. King's life and I think about the message that he was consistently trying and working to communicate, I noticed that his his goal was to bring people together. His goal was to help, to help everybody be able to see each other in the way that God intended. To see their humanity, despite the visual differences and the beauty that comes from those differences, as Herbert was just sharing. Back in his time of his, of his ministry that he was called into, I don't know if we're aware that Dr. King didn't go looking. He didn't go looking for the path that he was set upon. The Lord called him into that. He was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he found himself in situation after situation where he was trying to bring people together. I think the one that probably sticks with me the most, there was a strike of garbage collectors in Birmingham, Alabama. And these men were out striking because they wanted better pay. They wanted better treatment. Well, back then, that wasn't legal to do that. And so they got arrested. Well, there was a group of people that were also there that were protesting for the garbage workers. Because there weren't just white garbage workers and just black garbage workers. The problem is, is that when those garbage workers got arrested and those protesters got arrested, they all ended up in the same jail. And Dr. King found himself sitting 
with white garbage workers. Now you can just imagine here in the 1950s, those white garbage workers didn't see Dr. King as a preacher. They saw him as a black man and probably referred to him as something less than that. But Dr. King began to talk to them and he began to ask them questions. Well, well how much do you make? So when you do that, do you get paid overtime? How many hours do they make your work? And they begin to understand that he was more concerned about their situation than they were about his humanity. And the conversation began to switch when, it, when, it, when he kind of pointed out to them, I don't know if you notice, but we're all poor and we're all in this jail together. So what do you say we try to come together here because I want the same thing for you that you want for you. Jesus, when he came, he came to bring us together. He came to bring us to a place where we begin to see what God has created as opposed to the things that we see that we choose to use to divide us. What's so amazing is that from the time of Jesus to the time of Dr. King to where we are today, not a whole lot has changed and the struggle still continues. But hallelujah, because of Jesus now being the cornerstone, you and I have an opportunity to begin to be a part of that new vision of these new communities, of being able to see each other in the way that God sees us right now. Pastor Herbert. What I hope we learn from today, we take away from today, is that out there in the world, society labels people by their race, by their skin color, uh, even by their political views. In my opinion, I think that was a great part of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King fight, for people to see other person not inferior, but as one created in God's image. And in, in, a, in the church, we have to celebrate those differences. And when we see somebody enter through those doors, we don't see a Hispanic or Latino. We don't see a, a, an African, a Middle Eastern, an African-American. We just see another instrument that will be purified, the orchestra in heaven. So let's see people like God sees them as royal chosen holy well in uh, in one harmony we get to uh, come together right now and it makes me think of uh, being a father I have four kids myself and as they get older from 20 to 12 um, one of the gr most fulfilling things, most, one of the most rewarding things is when I see them genuinely enjoy each other, genuinely get along, and enjoy me as a dad. That's real. <laughs> That's real. And I didn't make that up. That came from God. God feels the same way. God's blessed when we enjoy him. God's blessed when we enjoy him in here and outside of here. God is blessed. Our heavenly father is blessed as we enjoy one another 
genuinely. And we follow him in what he's called us to, in harmony, until the ultimate fulfillment of that, heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right now, we're going to stand and sing an amazing song in one voice, with one spirit, as one body. It's called Great Are You, Lord. And I love these lyrics. Oh, my goodness, they are so good. It is your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. It's not even my own breath. (laughs) It is your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Let's bless our God.